0: for some pro wrestling punditry because it is thursday and i am your managing editor nick housman joined here as i am every thursday by my good friend justin labar justin welcome back to the winkly
1: good to be back
0: we got a big show planned for you guys here today lots of news to talk about but also right after the news block we are finally going to air it here today for all of you that have been enjoying these john moxley shoot promos behind the scenes curtain Uh, look at WWE, we got a stellar one for you here today. Because the man up top, El Presidente of Wrestling Inc, Raj Geary, had the chance to sit down for about an hour with the one and only Ryback recently. So we are going to play for you here the audio of Raj's conversation with Ryback. Ryback, obviously very outspoken, not afraid to ruffle a few feathers. So you're going to hear all about his time at WWE. uh, All the backstage anecdotes, everything, it's all there. You're going to love it. And with that, let's get to it here. The news you can use, News. That'll leave a bruise. Uh, the news of the last twenty-four hours that really caught everybody, uh, I, I caught everybody on the site. I don't know if this is new news, but it's certainly a confirmation. Talk sport chatted with Mick Foley, and Mick Foley said that WWE is absolutely looking to bring back attitude era elements on Raw, particularly in the third hour. He notes that when he was in GM, when he was the GM of Raw. He, uh, he noticed that fans seemed to embrace SmackDown a little bit more. They always noted how that was a two-hour show. He's like, what do you do with this third hour of Raw? Well, I guess we we have our official answer here now. This is going to be an Attitude Era third hour of Raw. Justin, what do you think about the uh, decision here for WWE to change directions a bit and go for uh, you know what could become a little bit of a TV-14 audience here in the third hour?
1: Well, that's the thing. I, I don't want to be a buzzkill, Nick, but I, I think... You know, we might be getting a little bit too excited uh, with Foley's comments. I interpreted when I heard this that he probably meant a little bit more from a format standpoint, you know, like the 24-7, a little bit more of just the really just um, quick, unpredictable, you know, maybe a lack of backstory, just a, a lot more just quick hit. um uh, You know, in radio, they call it shock jock with everything. You know, I I don't necessarily know if that means, if that translates into attitude error rating. I don't know if that means that like, you know, we're going to see, you know, more sex, more violence, more blood. I I don't know if it, you know, I don't know if it means that I I just interpret it as, okay, attitude error, meaning a little bit more unpredictability, unpredictability, Um, you know, just maybe just not as structured as the first two hours can or attempts to be with 40 plus writers.
0: Yeah. I, you know, and I kind of like it. You know, if, if they're going to go this route, I, I embrace it. I do wonder the uh, what the, you know, stockholders uh, and advertisers would think if they would officially kind of flip that switch there in the third hour. But, you know, he's right. You know, if you've got this third hour, the, the complaint has always been, why is this show so long? You know, it's reflected in the ratings uh, over and over again. Not this past week, but we can get to that here in just a second. But over and over again, the show declines from hour one to hour three. So reinventing this third hour is – I, I hate to say like a, a different show, but having a completely different feel where it's like, you know, maybe it does go from TV PG to TV 14 and parents are like, OK, uh, time for you to turn off raw. This is, you know, only your older brother can watch it now kind of deal, you know?
1: Uh, yeah. And, you know, and what I wonder, you know, when they a couple weeks ago when they first um, when, when when Foley was on and he uh, unveiled that new belt and then that third hour, you know, they they they. It kind of looked like NXT from the sense of they, they, all the lights were, were were blacked out for the crowd. You just saw the ring. Uh, even the stage and the Tron were all kind of black and white, that the graphics were black and white. You know, to me, it kind of felt like, you know, back in the 90s when it was Raw is war for the first half. And then the, then the, the back hour was Warzone. And I, I kind of wonder, I don't know what the answer is here. I kind of wonder if, if WWE went out of their way to try to uh, separate and distinguish that third hour of RAW as something separate, but like, I mean, it's still, it's still, it's still, you know, on USA, it's still part of RAW. But if they truly try to brand it as um, an older, you know, dem- as, as something for an older crowd, I wonder if if the sponsors would allow it. I wonder if they can say, look, you know, the, it's just this hour. We'll even make a whole. We'll we'll even have like a a new intro video that plays at 10 p.m. Eastern, and we'll even right. maybe work it into the taglines of promotion to say this is this is gear to an older crowd. I, I wonder, you know, everybody everybody wants the Attitude Era to come back. They want the they want you know uh, more more risque content to come back. I wonder if WWE could get away with it if they specifically branded just for that particular hour. I, I don't know if it could. I don't know the answer to that. That would be a George Barrios and a Vince McMahon and a lot of execs supposedly smarter than us. But I wonder if they could try to do that, especially if they sold it. To both the network, USA Network, and to the advertisers as look, you know, we have had a decline. We acknowledge this. We think this might help uh, improve everybody's standing and everybody's investment.
0: Yeah, I I could see him going for it, you know. And what I wonder, though, is, you know, we were looking at the viewership uh, yesterday on the show for Raw. And I did notice that there was an uptick from hour two to hour three on Monday night this past week. And that hasn't really traditionally happened in quite some time. Now, granted, you had the tease of The Undertaker at the end of the show um, but, you know, I, I wonder if there is something to this idea that if people know that if they're sticking around for that third hour here, they're going to get something different if you don't see uh, more more uh, trends like this. And, and to that same end, you know, if people are sticking around and they really like that third hour and that third hour starts to do, you know, maybe better than the, the first or second hour. I mean, at what point do you flip the switch and just say, hey, look, we have a paradigm shift here now. Our audience is there's obviously more people we can get to here going back to, to a style that is closer to the Attitude Era. Is this once again going to be the end of the uh, PG era of WWE like we've seen before?
1: Yeah, I mean, they're not going to end the PG era completely. But the thing I I think I I wonder is, you know, we always talk about and we reminisce about the glory days, you know, of the uh, of the attitude era of the late 90s, early 2000s. But if we actually go back, if you actually go back and watch those successful Monday Night Raw episodes, it wasn't, you know, look, it wasn't that. Um, it wasn't that bra and panties or, or or as Jerry Lawler would be screaming puppies. It wasn't that that was a selling point. And, you know, I mean, of course they did some, they did some very provocative stories of, you know, Val Venus, uh, choppy, choppy, you know, I mean, like they did some provocative stuff, but really what consistently held up was just a good linear story from the start of the show to the end of the show. It'd be Okay. It usually was with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Here's the peril and here's the problem that Austin's going to face, likely because of Vince McMahon and his henchmen. And it just, it was just a good linear story. You know, I mean, yeah, there were elements of you know a middle finger or of beer drinking. There, there, there were some some TV fourteen you know elements, but it really just came down to a good story. And so I think at the end of the day, that's really what it comes back to. And and we're probably so far away from that as we've discussed and John Moxley's discussed, and it's just become the. The talking point, which is there's you know too many cooks in the kitchen, too many writers think you know ideas are start on one end of the room and turn into something completely different on the other end of the room. It just comes back to stories. I don't think the answer is blood, sex, and and everything. Uh, that's not that's not the answer long term. It might it might spike a might spike a rating for one segment because we because because it, it stands out because we don't see as much of it anymore. But at the end of the day, it comes down to just good stories.
0: Well, and you know I'll I'll jump a bit ahead here a bit on our run sheet. You know the observer noted that Goldberg's promo from SmackDown this past Tuesday, was in his own words. It was not scripted by one of the 40 WWE intern writers or whatever. He has a clause in his WWE contract, much like Heyman and Lesnar, where he has creative freedom over his promos. And, you know, again, like just like I was saying yesterday, the build, I thought, to Undertaker, Goldberg, you know, this has felt like a. It, it's become a, a big-time match. They've made it feel like a big-time match. Seeing a guy like Goldberg in there, you can tell that he's not forcing it and seems comfortable. It shouldn't just be these top guys That are getting that kind of freedom because I'm I'm with you. I don't think it's just blood and sex and and, uh, hardcore deathmatch violence that's going to bring people back. It's compelling characters and storylines, and you know stories are part of it, but the compelling characters aspect of it too. We're hearing across the board from tons of people right now they don't feel empowered uh, by their creativity in WWE at the moment. So I, I think one of the reasons this Goldberg Taker thing has worked a bit is because they they do have some say in their creative, and I hope we see you know that kind of freedom hand it off to guys that guys and women that don't have that kind of clout, you know?
1: Well, and it would be great. I mean, I, I think, I think Goldberg's creative um, clause somewhat comes out of obligation because I, I from what I've heard, uh, you know, Goldberg's not the best at memorizing promos and stuff like that anyway. So I think you kind of got to let him just go out there and just say um, what comes to his, what comes to mind, you know, just, you know, guiding him. Okay, here's, here's the, here's the lane we need you to stay in just, just sell this. Um, but I agree even down to the mid card, uh, guys and girls, if you empowered them to let them speak their own words, it'll come off more authentic. You know, you know, it's it's, it's more authentic. Uh, it'll probably excite them more versus being handed something that they don't believe in. The trouble is, again, gathering what we have really gathered in these last few weeks, we kind of we kind of already thought it and knew it, but again, you know, Moxley especially has uh, really kind of reinforced it. Is there's just such a micromanaged control that. And 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 there's so much. I mean, never mind the the three hours of Raw, two hours of SmackDown. You know, there's the digital extras they do for WWE.com or for the network. And there's all these. Little, there's so many moving parts to their programming. I feel like Vince just won't. He just won't give that freedom to everybody because I feel like he'll lose track and lose control of what they're saying. And maybe maybe what they said wasn't what they wanted to have said, or maybe this not this particular sponsor doesn't like it. I mean, I just unfortunately, I just feel like they're just they've gotten so big. He's just not going to give that control back, at least not as long as Vince is, um, you know, in control. Which you know, we we are led to believe that'll be for as long as he's breathing. So.
0: Oh, man, I, all I'm thinking about right now is that Lars Sullivan interview that he did on Tuesday. Did you did you, <laughs> did, you did you like did you enjoy that segment? Um, you know, as I said,
1: I thought I, I liked it to start. I thought first off, it went way too long, and it started just to, to trail off. I did like the fact that it wasn't just and I and, you know we're promoting Ryback in the interview with Raj. I'll, I'll kind of use Ryback as a, as a reference here. I'm glad Lars's interview wasn't just you know feed me more. You know, ugh, ugh, ugh. I'm glad that he actually you know I like the whole theme of would you question a lion doing what is their primary function? I like the mental depth we started getting into, and I even liked him. Daring, uh, the interviewer, who I, I forgive, I can't remember her name. I like him daring the interviewer to say that word, and she says freak, and it almost looked like it tormented him a little bit. I liked it because I was like, okay, here's not, here, you know, this is not going to be just another another meathead who's going to beat a whole bunch of people, and we have no substance. I like the fact we might get some depth, we might get some backstory to the mental angst and illness that maybe Laura Sullivan has. But then he started trailing off and talking about painting and – uh, then it's then it got too much for me so I, I i land in the middle of it somewhere
0: you know i yeah it's like i i think that uh, i land in the middle with you because it's like yeah i do admire a little bit of creativity but not you know again it's like we're a little off the chain here for me it's like i don't need Lars sullivan to have uh 3d chess levels of uh you know uh creativity around him right now you know he doesn't need to be I, I don't think the feed me more type but they, they took it a I just had him say too much. That was goofy.
1: Yeah, it it was way. It it should have been cut off about 90 seconds earlier than it was.
0: Goofy. Uh, Well, uh, let's talk about a a real interesting development here, I thought, for WWE Super Showdown this Friday. Uh, There could possibly be a women's match. Uh, PWINSIDER.com first reported that Natalia is traveling to Jeddah with WWE. Then Fightful jumped in, noted Alexa Bliss also traveling with WWE to Jeddah. Uh, At WrestleVotes, clarifying WWE has discussed doing a women's match at Super Showdown for months now, with the original idea being Nia Jax versus Natalya, but of course Jax is injured right now. Now Renee Young will be over there again, you know, uh, she'll probably be doing commentary it sounds like, but a women's match at Super Showdown. Um, uh, Is this, I don't know, what do you make of this?
1: Well, when they started the shows last year in Saudi Arabia, I, I said to myself, and I'm, uh, I'd imagine I probably tweeted or said somewhere that I, I figured the long-term goal here is, uh, as they do these shows in Saudi Arabia that are surrounded by controversy, they're being done under the positive PR guise of, um, you know, moving the culture forward. You know, the, the culture is getting more Western uh, influence, and 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 so I thought that okay, this is the goal. They're going to try to, you know, they they want to be on top of the positive PR of eventually having a women's match. Um, this is a little bit quicker than I thought, which that's not a bad thing, of course. You know, of course, I want the women to, to be able to compete there if they're going to be doing shows there, after all. Um, it was funny. I the, the timeline of this actually happening was, uh, the, I actually, and, and I'm sure, and I don't know, I'm sure it was posted maybe on social media. The timeline of it for me was, I am friends with Titus O'Neill on Facebook, and I saw him post a picture of him and Natalia on, I think the plane traveling and it, and it said like on their way to, 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 to Jeddah, And I saw that. And I remember going, oh, wait a minute. Like I didn't think that she would be going. And then just as soon as I saw that and I tried to then like look around and even contact, like get ready to email, maybe you or Raj or just say, Hey, is anybody else aware of this? I then saw that it, 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 it was already on the internet has already, it had already, you know, surfaced that this might be happening. Um, so this is exciting. You know, I mean, it's good. I mean, I again, I mean, if, if there's a lot of controversy around the Saudi Arabia shows, I won't get into the politics of whether they should or shouldn't be over there. But if they're going to be over there, if they can bring some progression, then, I mean, how could you be, you know, how could you not be in support of that?
0: Well, I'll say it. I don't think they should be there personally, but uh, no, I'm well, with you. There's, there's no. OK, no, fine. Disagree with me if you'd like. There's I don't think there's any reason they should be doing these shows right now. Um, but well,
1: look, 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 well, I right, So if we're going to dive into this real quick, I, I, I understand, I, I, I won't disagree with it. I, I won't, I won't. You certainly have a case. Anybody who thinks that certainly has a case of why you should not be over there right now, why you should not be no business with that government. I tend to float more on the end of, all right, if I tend to float more on the end of the, the people there, the citizens there who aren't part of the decision making, you know, they, the, the government decision makes right. The citizens over there, why should they be punished and not have entertainment and not have something that maybe escapes them from what is, you know, some unfortunate circumstances and, and, and ways of life day to day? You know, that's again, if, if WWE wasn't involved in this, I would have no problem. I'd be like, OK, they're not involved. Fine. But the fact that they are, I kind of go, you know, the, the the citizens aren't to blame here. You know, bringing them the entertainment is, is, a, is a good thing to them. Um never mind where the money comes from and, and all that stuff. I, that's that's a kind of where I land at this. I don't know. I just, you
0: know. All right. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I also care for the citizens. I'm sure they would not uh, prefer their government being legitimized so that they can continue to do awful things. But, uh, you know, uh, I I guess I can I can understand. But no, me personally, I don't think there's any. Uh, I don't think they should be over there at all. But uh, if they are going to be there. uh, Yeah, you're right. You know, this women's match uh, would hopefully send a strong. Uh, signal to the to women of Saudi Arabia but again it's like it's all lip service there right like is this just a publicity stunt to gloss over the other horrible things that are going on in this relationship right now so uh, yeah g- good and bad in this decision I mean I, I don't think you could say that it's uh, overtly terrible here having these women do a, doing a doing a wrestling match but again it's like I don't know there's just it's just too gross to me uh, what they're trying to do with uh, with this um, but yeah it, it would definitely be historic now uh, Bailey and Sasha, uh, they did, or was it Alexa versus Sasha? They played Dubai, so this would be the second time WWE would have really kind of made a splash over uh, in the Middle East here by by doing a women's match. You know, so so good. All right.
1: Yeah, but I think, uh, but I think this would be a, this truly would be the first time in Saudi Arabia. I think oh, yeah. when WWE did it in Dubai, I think TNA had already beat them to the punch in that one. But um, this will be the first time for Saudi Arabia.
0: Yeah. So, again, you know, uh, it's going to be all about, you know, how will uh, how will the, the newspapers and the, the television programs pick this story up and how will they carry it here? But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like Natalia wants to do it and, uh, you know, all the best. Uh, it's
1: also one of the things just to wrap it up, it's also one of those things, again, again, like I said, I, I can't disagree with the points that, that you or anybody that shares your viewpoint has with this because like, you because it's all valid. I guess the other part of it is that maybe the w, WB's thinking, aside from cashing in <laughs> the very uh, lucrative checks, is and 25 years from now, if WWE gets to be part of the textbook history of helping the culture progress by bringing entertainment and by bringing women's, you know, I, I think that's that's another thing. It's you know, 25 years from now, this might look really, really good in the company that they were part of progression if it actually progresses if the culture and the ways over there. It, Progress in the in in, in in the range of equality, but obviously right now, sure, there's a lot of controversy, and, and I get that. So
0: I think it is very optimistic to think 25 years from now this will be looked back on as one of WWE's shining historical great moments. <laughs> I don't I don't really think, Justin, realistically, that's how this is going to be looked back on when the history books are written. So, um, right. uh, 25 years, we'll we'll come back here just like the end of we'll, do it, or, we'll or, do it. We'll do it. We'll
1: do a winkley in 25 20, years, and we'll reassess.
0: Twenty third, twenty forty four. That seems reasonable. Um. Uh. Let's see here. Also, in the world of Super Showdown, uh, the Usos versus the Revival. Uh, they're gonna be uh, taking on each other on the kickoff show. Uh, kind of an interesting tag match here because, like, the Revival has been seconding Shane to the ring, kind of his uh Putty Patrol or whatever. And uh, Shane's feuding with Roman, so this is Roman's relatives here. The Usos taking on Shane's, uh, you know, lackeys in the Revival. Um, yeah, I wish a little bit more had been put into this creatively here because I kind of like that dynamic. I kind of like how the Usos and the Revival are getting worked into Shane and Roman Reigns' feud here.
1: One hundred percent agree. Um, never mind the fact this will be a great belt-to-belt match if they if they're given time because these these two teams, these four individuals, could do magic. But everything you said, there's some great connections and backstory given the current storylines. Yeah. So this could really this could really be. You know, this this could be a featured bout if you wanted to make it such given the fact that you you know given the fact you know that Shane and Roman are having a singles match so um yeah it is kind of throwaway uh, it is kind of random and throwaway and, and and last minute so but i i completely agree with you it, it has it has potential to be the mean so much more
0: it would be cool if like even like there was something on the line here right like if the usos win roman gets an advantage or if the revival wins Shane gets some kind of an advantage. He put some stakes on this because, yeah, there's there's a lot here, and you know, since it's on the kickoff show, uh, I would guess that this is probably not going to be the last time we see these two teams uh, go at it. So, so maybe there is room to do some of that stuff here down the road with them.
1: Well, who knows? I, you know, I kind of thought that they would. Um, I'm kind of surprised they are doing Roman and Shane so quickly. I kind of thought that they might milk uh, Roman and Shane for like a SummerSlam. I, you know, again, I, you know, Shane's always involved in these big <clears throat> these big events and do a crazy stun icon i thought I, I thought that maybe that would go to SummerSlam. so the fact they're doing this quickly maybe who knows maybe they build to something later in the summer um where it's the roman and the usos and shane and the revival maybe they bring more people into it. they make it kind of a big uh, um as jim ross would say a big donny brook i don't know but yeah I, this 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 tag match and certainly could you could get far much more out of it than just a kickoff show uh feature
0: well, uh, also in the world of Super Showdown, of course, the 50-man battle royal is going to be taking place. Uh, we now know a couple more competitors. Uh, PWInsider.com reporting Cruiserweight champion Tony Nice, Matt Hardy, Jinder Mahal, No Way Jose, and the Singh brothers are all traveling to Jeddah uh, with the uh, what looks like to uh, be involved in this match. Uh, there's also a rumor that Matt Riddle could be in this match um, as there, there's talk of NXT stars appearing in it. The only other NXT superstar that has been confirmed for the match, though, uh, as of this podcast, is Mansoor al Shalil. Uh, Mansoor is a Saudi Arabian talent who first appeared uh, for WWE at the greatest Royal Rumble last year, I think in that, that schmoz with the Davaris or something like that. So, uh, you know, more names added to the mix here again. It's like, there's, you know, there's not like stakes to this bout. So I don't really know who, who wins or if it matters, who wins. Right.
1: <laughs> well, and again, I think we talked about yesterday, if it's a battle Royal, that's going to be crowded for the first few minutes. Uh, yes. Like if it's a, a rumble style where, you know, guys keep, you know, Continuously coming.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Well, we'll see. Uh, I think do whatever they want. It's their show. Uh, at Russell votes. Uh, let's switch gears here, away from Super Showdown. At Russell votes, reporting that WWE 2K's commercial for this year's game uh, is said to be similar to the NFL 100 commercial from the most recent Super Bowl. Now, the ad reportedly is going to feature WWE Hall of Famers Hulk Hogan, rick Flair, Steve Austin, plus other current superstars and legends. It's all. It's noted here that 2K spent mega. Money on the spot. Uh, it sounds like they're officially going to announce the game Monday, June twenty fourth. Uh, then the uh, collector's edition will be released on October first. The standard release will be October fifth. These dates are all going to be confirmed soon. But exciting! I always love the two K commercials. They're like they quietly become one of my favorite parts of the WWE calendar year. Yeah, the, yeah.
1: Especially you know they've had a good run. You know when whether it's you know Sting or uh, Ultimate Warrior, they 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 they, they certainly. Um, there certainly are a nice bit of little nostalgia that comes out, even if you're not, even if you're not a gamer and you don't buy the game, just the promotion, just to see um, these legends, you know, in, in, in ring gear in full, full characters is, is fun to see.
0: Yeah. Uh, that rap, that hip hop one they did last year with Sasha Banks. That was great. It was wonderful. So they still play it. I think all the time. So it's good. Uh, Big E uh, had a fan tweet to him that said uh, they were worried that Big E could be fired over some of the tweets he's been putting out recently and Big E responded to that fan like the episode of Seinfeld where George purposely gets stains on Babe Ruth's jersey and drags a World Series tr- trophy through the parking lot. I couldn't get fired if I tried. God bless. Big E, king of Twitter.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, you know what? Uh, he, <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a little ballsy to say publicly, but he's probably not wrong. I mean, look, no. WWE is, um, you know, WWE is not right now in the business of wanting to just let talent go. And that's, that's when it's talent that they're not even using, you know, like look at, you know, like a Luke Harper. But I mean, never mind Big E, who's part of one of their top attractions. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it would take a, it would it would take an awful lot for them to say, all right, you just did something where we have to let you go. So, I mean, he's probably not too wrong in that. And that's um, a very uh, dangerous and wild situation to have talent be in, where they know that they have far more rope than they normally would because uh, you're protective of 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 letting talent become free agents to go to competition.
0: It was it was pointed out to me on social media that uh, Shinsuke Nakamura hasn't been on WWE TV in like six weeks. Shinsuke Nakamura has not been used on WWE TV in six weeks. I I, I would I, I want to know what happened here. I don't get it. You know.
1: Yeah, I, actually, I didn't realize it had been that many weeks, but uh, that, that that sounds about right. So
0: biggest signing they ever had in NXT, the big the big elephant they touted around and sold out shows with, and he's not even used on TV right now. I can I can understand the frustrations. Uh, and lastly, here switching gears a little bit uh, over to the land of Impact Wrestling, Rich Swan, the X Division Champion, is officially going to take on Johnny Impact. Uh, he's uh, going to be defending the X Division Championship against Johnny Impact. I should say at Impact Slam Seventeen. Uh, Swan was actually on our Winkley yesterday. He teased this about, but it's now official. That's why I want to make note of it here. Um, you know, and, and Impact, I don't know. You know, I've talked a bit about this, but I, I like the Impact product right now. I think their TV shows are, are pretty good. I think their pay-per-views are great. I mean, are they are they moving up the ladder here? I mean, do we realistically see Impact and, and Ring of Honor here flip places here by the end of the year?
1: I think Impact's definitely uh, in the, moving in the right direction. I mean, they still don't have the money and the distribution that WWE and AEW have so that's forever going to keep impact at least at number three um but i, I but I, yeah i do think that impact is certainly is making a case to uh, leapfrog over roh and be in the better standing there and yeah i mean they're, they're doing good things and i and i, I feel bad I, I i've been i've been trying to catch up and get more and more um just caught up with what impact's doing because what i do catch from you know conversations like i have with you and little clips i see online it seems like You know, Impact was a foul punchline for a lot of years. TNA and Impact was a foul punchline for a lot of years, uh, and especially in the second second half of the the Dixie Carter years. Um, And they've you know been able to, I think, you know, pretty successfully. It seems like revamp and re, you know, you know, kind of you know redo their identity and and their reputation. And um, and yeah, so I mean, it's good for them. So then this match, I mean, how this match with Swan and and Johnny Impact? That's this is one of those ones you don't
2: want to blink because you'll you'll miss something great. We are back, and this week we're going to do something, guys, a little different, actually. I got Raj Geary here with me from Wrestling Inc., and uh, reached out, and and I thought this was something that's very important, Uh, and have a conversation with everything going on with the WWE, um, with the John Oliver video, the the employee, independent contractor status, and a a lot of things that a lot of people are very concerned over, I'm very concerned over, pro wrestlers are concerned over. And it's an important conversation that that needs to keep happening and keep taking place. So hopefully we can we can get more ears on this and we can spread this and uh, keep raising awareness on, on some of these is- issues. Raj Geary, what's going on, bud?
3: Uh, not much. How about yourself? It's it's a crazy time right now.
2: Yeah, busy day today and uh, running around all day. So it's I got a lot to do after. But um, I appreciate you reaching out and. Uh, Saw some of the questions that you had and it's, they were great questions. And, um, I think this is, it makes me happy to see wrestling reporters and people that are in the industry like this, um, that want to do good and not necessarily spread negative things or, and it's, uh, we need more of that out there. So, so I thank you for that.
3: No, thank you for, for talking with me. Yeah, that's, this is, uh, you know, we've talked about the John Oliver piece, you know, between you and I, and, um, you know, that's something that when it came out, got a ton of attention and then just with, you know, people's, uh, time, attention, I mean, attention spans and everything right now, kind of quickly start fading away. Like a lot of things do. And it it brought up a lot of important issues that I I feel like that really, uh, there's no reason that they shouldn't be dealt with. And you're someone that's been willing to speak about it. And, um, and kind of you're kind of like a lone warrior right now, uh, a lot of people are scared to, or some guys are gotten so big that they don't feel the need to because they made their money, they had their success, but there's a lot of people struggling, and a lot of people don't realize a lot of the issues that a lot of the talent faces, so I think it's a very important issue, and it's great that you've been able to speak out about it. No, thank you, and I
2: think that's something uh, I've seen that argument made, and some well well, he's the only one speaking about it. It must not be true, and it's being discussed. By, right. by a lot of people and in, in particular, uh, Lee in the business. And, and like I said, I've had people reach out to me talents and please, please don't stop. And it's, I've been fortunate enough to kind of be on both sides of the fence where I've been in the main event and I've been, I've been the featured talent and I've seen, I've seen now and things on that end and I've, I've been kind of in the middle. And I've witnessed, and being with the company with WWE since I was 22 years old, I've witnessed a lot, and seen how things go down and how different people are treated. And as we've talked about with my lawsuit and things, that we'll get into details about that that they personally have done to me, I feel like I would not be, I would not be being a good human being if I did not speak about this, quite frankly. And I've moved on. I've had. We'll talk about my injuries. I got my business now and my goals. But at the same time. We need to raise awareness for some of these issues because the talent are handcuffed and they cannot speak. And if they do, they they will be they would they would be terminated or they would deal
3: with the repercussions. So, yeah, absolutely. So, uh-huh. kind of starting off with that, and just kind of uh, with how the schedule is with WWE, a lot of people, you know, they say, oh, you get to travel, you make tons of money. Yeah. Um, first off, let's say you're working the raw side of the tour. You're it's, uh, Friday nights, Saturday nights, Sunday nights, and then TV on Monday. Now, for the Friday night show, do you travel on Friday to get to the show, or yeah, actually traveling on Thursday? Do you have to get to that show the day before? So,
2: people on the West Coast typically the majority of the shows are, are Central or East Coast based. So, if you live on the West Coast, typically you're gonna you're gonna get stuck having to do some red eyes on on some nights. Um, otherwise, you're doing the five six a.m. flight first thing out in the morning, and then that's that's tough in itself. Again, because you're you gotta. This routinely for me was um, set six, seven, eight alarms and go to sleep at twelve or one and have to be up by three, usually sometimes two. So you're looking at maybe getting a a couple hours of sleep, driving, getting ready, getting all your stuff, going to the airport, and then hoping you could sleep on those plane ride or plane rides if you have a connection to wherever you're going to go. Then usually get in, grab food, and go straight to the show and go. So that's that's on for most guys. Though you leave the day of though. So, so, yeah.
3: so best case, you know, you're leaving Friday. You work the Friday night house show, yeah. Monday night Raw. There's probably a lot of flights that don't take off that night. But best case, if there is one, you catch a red eye, get home early Tuesday morning. So really Wednesday and Thursday, you got two days yeah. at home, and you got to. So remember that year just, just
2: right? uh, it's it, it, on the only time a red eye guy will get a red eye, the t- the talent. Are booked on flights first thing in the morning, usually unless you request to be booked later. But everyone, they fly you out first thing in the morning, Wednesday morning or Tuesday morning or Wednesday morning, depending on Raw or SmackDown, to get you home as early as you possibly can so that you do have as much time at home as possible. But you're usually getting in in the afternoon, and, and anyone who's traveled, it's a travel day, and it kind of everything's kind of a mess on that. And you're getting very little sleep coming back as well. So.
3: Right, and and they uh, there's a lot of times when you can get contacted for appearances and things last minute, and you pretty much have to drop what you're doing, right?
2: Yeah, and if you say no to it, it's there's uh, you don't ever want to say no to that that kind of stuff. Um, even though you should have technically have a choice being an independent contractor, it's not always the case, and uh, it's oftentimes they'll schedule media calls, and, and especially when you're working. You know, if you're in a, a main storyline or anything of importance there, you usually will be doing quite a bit of media and uh, your off days are, you could be anywhere from one to three hours, sometimes more with some guys. It all depends on how how long, how many interviews they have scheduled. And But I routinely on days off would get off the road and usually the Thursday morning, they usually don't do it Wednesday. It's happened before, but Thursday, I remember routinely getting up and making a pot of coffee and sitting down before I even ate and doing my, doing media every, you know, that that first year, especially a lot.
3: And with that media, do you get additional pay for that? Do you get bonus?
2: No, there's no, there's no, there's no pay or anything of that nature. You're helping promote and, and that's understood on that end on that, but there's a lot of things there that um, you're doing things to, to promote the company and the brand and it's not, it's not compensated for.
3: Right. Now, as far as uh, other things like uh, Comic-Con appearances where there's yeah. tickets for that and acting gigs, uh, how much of that, how much control does the company have over that? How much of that pay do you see and how much do they see or or, or do you get all of that?
2: No. So that's another thing where there's, where I said, there's no protection for the wrestlers. And the, the, a lot of this information isn't even made available to you. So if they have a, a, a Comic-Con or something, reach out and they say the, you know, hey, we want to, we want to book Roman Reigns. Well, WWE could turn around and say, and I'm just using Roman as an example. Right. They could say, "Well, Roman is this we this is his appearance fee for us of twenty five thousand or twenty thousand, whatever it is, and you can have him for four hours, and we're going to give Roman we're going to give Roman five thousand dollars of that, and but Roman won't know that. He won't know. He'll just say, you 'You're doing this. You got this appearance here on this day. You're going to get five k out of it.' Talent's not going to say no. They're making. Then it could be the ratios could be way more off than that for a thing like that for a third party vendor or someone like that. Oftentimes on appearances I and I this is something I raised questions over, is I I would routinely overseas have to do appearances at toy stores and and I would talk to the people there that when you're in there in the waiting room waiting to go do the signing, they'd have a store filled with fans and the store they paid money to WWE. your appearance now they're not they're not charging their people there but they paid for you and you're not making any money doing that but wwe is getting it all like that's the kind of things like these that you don't have this information though that they they do and it just doesn't make sense uh, on a lot of
3: different ends yeah and and that's that's always been really interesting to me because like right now like say for instance uh just wrestler pay and how much of that the company controls and how much of that is based on their creative decisions. You know, someone like Jinder Mahal, all of of a sudden pushed to the main event level, uh, headlining pay-per-views, then pushed all the way back down. What kind of fluctuation in pay? Uh, Because that's something you've gone through, where you're working main events on pay-per-views and then you're still the same level of over, but then all of a sudden they're pushing it on the card. You're not working some pay-per-views. You're in the, uh, the pre-show. What what kind of variation in pay are we seeing just based on creative decisions?
2: So, and I can give you hard numbers on that as far as, or, or ballpark, I should say. Um, that's one of the things and your downside comes into play. And that's why they try to get guys on the lowest amount of downside possible that they're only obligated to pay you. Um, gender made i would I would dare say much better money when he was the champion than when he wasn't and if you see the way he's being used now he's back to kind of what it was uh right. maybe a little bit above of what he was um my first year in w w e made just under one point one million dollars, and the following year after it, everything had got taken away, not told anything outside of um and're except for that we're turning you heel blah blah blah. Took away all the merchandise, and my pay went into the four to $500,000 range. And now, mind you, I'm, I was working more dates even than I was, or, or the same amount of dates, same amount of time gone, same live event schedule, on everything still, just pay-per-views and things. You know, I'd go, you, and that's the other thing, too, with, like, main event pay. They'll cycle in talent sometimes on main events or keep a fresh talent in there because they don't pay them nearly as much as they used to pay older talents, On the main events, and today's guys don't know that, and it's and it's they get away with that, and because there's no system in place, there's no checks and balances to keep them in line. And if you ask questions, if you're not in that elite level and you ask questions, they'll just pluck you right out. And even if you're at that elite level and ask too many questions, you're usually smart enough not to, because you know you don't want to rock the boat too much, because they can just they don't care. Well, the brand is what it is. We'll pluck you from it, and um, but pay can drastically go down based off just simple creative on whether you're winning or losing and it is and it's mind-blowing to me and that's one of the things I brought up before because it it's not to say the guys in the main events deserve every dollar that they get they don't make enough I can help they point blank aren't making enough but neither is everybody else and that gap is too wide the gap is in the, the guys the, the guys that are actually holding up the company the the spokes on the wheel are the ones that are that have very little at the end of the day, and you might be saying, "Well, four or five hundred thousand dollars that's you should be so thankful to make that, and everybody is thankful, but for the amount of money the company is making off of you and that and that you 're not made known to those numbers and it it's it, it really often when you put taxes in there and paying state taxes everywhere, country taxes wrestling in different countries, paying their tax codes that money with with bills and everything and rental cars and hotels airline uh expenses and food on the road that money goes really really quick it's not as much as what you would think and that, for me to let you know that was my example for me and I was still making really good money at that time like there's a got a lot of guys that don't make anywhere near that what I just said that the the four or five hundred thousand so it's especially your first two or three years up there
3: yeah, and so what are the downside guarantees? What do they usually start at? I know it's going to be different if someone's yeah. coming from New Japan, but for these uh, the talents that are pretty much making their name in developmental in NXT, that really didn't have much of a name elsewhere. And
2: so I haven't been there for a few years, and I'm not I'm not up to date on if they've raised any of these amounts. But a lot of right. times, a lot of guys, and it's, they'll come up off of NXT. They'll leave them on those contracts as long as they can, first of all. So they don't have to, because they'll they'll pretty much wait for you to say something, which most people are afraid to say something. Um, but a eight, that eighty to one hundred thousand dollar range is is a very number I'm very comfortable throwing out there, and and for road expenses. And we th- saw it with the Leo Rush situ- situation. The guy's not lying; he's telling the truth. There's no, he didn't have any money, and the, they can keep money too on different things if you're out, and they don't have to pay you your downside, even at times they could hold money from you if you have to work off money. And they've gotten a little better on that than they were in the past because they realized guys couldn't survive at all on that. But it is, it's a really, really unfortunate situation. And a lot of those guys they bring up, they don't make anything for the longest time. And they're, they're, I've seen superstars up there that have been up there for a bit now, eating off paper plates when they're home. And I, it's whether that's my choice or not, but it's, they're not making great money
3: right and it, came out, making. it came out this week the, the controversy with lars sullivan um, yeah th- he made comments so, the worst of them were, were quite a while back um, but they fined him 100,000 uh, dollars which came out this week that has got to be a full year of, you know like what he makes in a year right now and he's new to the main roster it's probably going to take him a while to be uh, able to make back something like you know to be able to pay off something like that with, with what the you know the, the talents at that level start off at
2: Yeah, and that's, so one, you can't condone anything. That behavior is unacceptable on on all accounts. But here's the thing. WWE was aware of that beforehand, and it wasn't until they got a little, this is why I tell people raising awareness is so key, with, with their sponsors and whatnot, because they will listen to their sponsors and the TV networks. That they were fully aware of the comments he made before, but they're oh we can make money off this guy. We're going to make money off this guy. But now oh now they're getting a little bit of backlash, so now they have to do something really extreme. And it's unfortunate for Lars to even now. It's not I'm not defending him at all, and right, it's right. it's unacceptable. he he probably shouldn't even be there mentally. Like in all seriousness, with everything going on in that with the way that that place is, if there's issues on that end going on, but he is, and he seems like a nice enough guy. But that is my thing. Is for WWE, great. If you're going to find him, my thing is that that hundred thousand better not be going back to the WWE. I would publicly like to see them pick a charity, maybe in in some sort of mental sort of capacity, something uh, for people with mental disabilities uh, or people that were social media behavior, something that that will benefit other people from his him learning this lesson rather than them just keeping that hundred thousand dollars. And I, I don't know if they've made any mention of that or not, but I would hope as a company, if you're going to find this talent that that you sure as hell do something good with the money.
3: Yeah. Uh, we recently had TJP on our, our podcast. He was talking about how when he first got brought up to the main roster, he was under an NXT developmental contract still. So he was getting his hotels paid for and road okay. expenses while he was still getting the the payouts for for the regular main roster you know live events. And why do you think that they pay uh, hotels and and road expenses for NXT? And I, and I know it's going to be a lot cheaper. They share rooms. They share cars. Yeah. But they have the system in place. It doesn't seem like it would be that difficult to move that that system to the main roster.
2: Not at all. They, they It's something that every talent should have. And one of the reasons, so they'll say on that, oh, we do that to help ease expenses for the new talent to get them adjusted to life on the road it's to kind of trick new talent for a while and that's something it's not just nxt that's been around for a long time when we were came right. up in nexus we all had that and that When then when i came back as ryback i didn't have that but it's it's essentially a way to just kind of not show talent the evil side of what their expenses are going to be and then, then when they re- renegotiate a contract towards the end of it that talent doesn't have an idea of what that money what kind of Numbers that that's going to cost them, so they don't necessarily negotiate for a higher contract because they don't know better. They just look at, oh, whoa, I'm making this money and I'm doing this right now. I'm getting, you know, I'm going to get sixty thousand dollars more, and that that sixty thousand thousand dollars is going to go to your expenses. Yep. So that there's always a rhyme and a reason to everything they do there, and that's one of
3: them for that. Yeah. So when you when you got on the main roster, what were some of the biggest surprises that you faced uh, with that transition? Just Living your life with normal jobs before this and, and moving to a WWE, you know, schedule and atmosphere.
2: No, there's there's a lot of good there in, in and yeah. meeting fans and in, in, in performing is by far the, the greatest aspect of it. Um it's it becomes a job very quickly for everybody there though, once you're there and it, it could just it could be it has the I think that's the one disappointing thing for everyone and for me and all the conversations I've had for all of us that love wrestling. It's very disappointing, and it lets you down when you get there and you see what it is because it could be so much better. It could be great, and that's one of the things with AEW that I know Cody and those guys, and I hope, and I, I have a really good feeling they're going to they keep that the environment a certain way, which I really believe they will because it's it's something that WWE, it's, it could be so much better than it is. But, I mean, it's a grind, and you get there, and you get in that mentality, and I always tell people, once you get inside those walls, you either sink or swim and you got to adapt really, really quickly to the schedule and in hurting all the, you hurt, hurt all the time. It's it's like, it's that's one of the best things about not being on the road as far as you wake up and you don't have, it's just one thing after the other because it's never ending. There's no off season. There's nothing. But, um, and I don't want to, again, I have my, my issues with WWE and I'm raising awareness. There is good there that does exist. I sure. just know by, by default though, the reason and why they do certain things It could just be so much better, but it is definitely, it's an adjustment for talent, you know, the booking your rental cars, and WWE takes care of your flights, but booking your hotels, you have to be very, very good with your money, and you have to, you have to, you're not just a professional wrestler, professional traveler, professional driver, driving, that's another issue, driving at night. And again, it's the way the business is. You drive rental cars and you know, these things every night. I'm shocked, and other wrestlers, we've always talked about this, that there hasn't been any deaths, like with people driving at night, driving one-way roads with semi-trucks coming by and tired. I remember many nights driving my head bobbing up and down while trying to drink my 10th my coffee of the day to stay awake because I'm going on 45 minutes of sleep doing media the morning before. It, it's, it's a grueling schedule that the talent, and I... And I people need to understand that wrestling compared to all the other sports in different industries, Vince pays the wrestlers the least amount of all of them compared to what he makes compared to other sports, the percentages. And it's like something like six to seven times lower. And it's something that the, all the talent are appreciative and thankful of every opportunity and whatnot. Now I'm just saying this, this man has built a business structure that nobody has questioned because there's been fear built into it. And they were the only game in town for a long time, and now we're seeing that with the AEW popping up, we're seeing talent leaving. I think you're going to see a lot more because these situ- these circumstances have existed from day one since Vince Jr. took over.
3: Yeah, and lately WWE they've actually been taking a loss in their live events the last couple of quarters. Uh, live events aren't you know generating profit. Uh, how much? Um, how much difference do you think it would have made if you didn't work live events? Obviously, that's not an option when you're there. But did you was the payout uh, significant enough that no. you wanted to do that?
2: So that's the other thing. And this is something that got me in trouble many times. I, I would keep track of the gates. And I would ask the pe- the reps that were at the shows, what's our gate tonight? And then I would keep track. And I'd keep the notes in my phone. So when we'd go back there, because the building fees are typically the same for all the buildings. So once you do a round of the buildings, you kind of have that, those hard numbers and then you can see how they're paying you based And I would watch my pay fluctuate so, so much for no reason. But oftentimes you make $500 on these live events and nice. that's it. It's not, especially the guys on the low downsides. This is why my thing is everyone wants to try to get as high of a downside as possible because they have to pay you every week your downside. And what they will do is whether you're on a $3,000 downside or a $20,000 downside, they will put those live events to, to equal the three thousand or the twenty thousand with TV, so it's extremely important that you get a high downside there for that. In which Hunter and guys will say, "Oh, downsides don't matter. They don't matter. They don't matter. It, it, they're full. Of, they're, they mean everything." And you don't pay a guy a guy on a million dollar downside is making a hell of a lot more money per week than the guy, you know, on the on the hundred thousand dollar
3: downside. So. Yeah. And Alberto Del Rio had said something uh, similar recently about the international tours, how back in the day it used to be a big payoff, yes. but then that gradually decreased and decreased to where it, it didn't seem like it was really worth it anymore. So uh, I I got a couple of different hard numbers here for you
2: on that from personal experience that they would range. <laughs> I, they ranged for me anywhere from main eventing a 20-something day tour, making thirty thirty-five thousand dollars $35,000, which... I, was I would consider solid for that probably nowhere near what main eventers were making or years prior, but I would have no knowledge of that. So how, what can I use to reference that? There's no, there's no way to do that. And they, that's, they've lowered that number probably since.
3: For, that's for the whole tour.
2: That was for the whole tour. So yeah.
3: That's like 10 nights. No, and
2: sometimes it would be, we would do 17, 18 shows. Uh, right. but yeah, it depend So to break this down, you would probably be doing 10 to 12 tour shows and then TVs you would get paid for typically out of that would come before that. But yeah, that would be for how many ever shows it right. could it would range depending on on how long the the schedule was for that. <clears throat> to then when I got downgraded gradively, seeing that number drop, and again working longer matches actually working more, doing more, doing more appearances, still still over. And getting dropped down to, to that fifteen sixteen dollars 16000 range. Then the the ultimate blow was tagging during the Ryb period. period. Uh, Randy Orton was wrestling Roman Reigns in the main event every night. John Cena wasn't on the tour. He was off of it for some reason. So me and Axel had to wrestle The Shield, uh, Dean and Seth, uh, in the opening tag match every night. Because Roman and Randy would go out there and do a promo. So just to give you an idea of what we're doing every night on this tour... Roman and Randy kick off the show with an in-ring promo. Me and Axel go out there and attack Roman and beat him down. Dean and Seth come make the save. And then uh, all out chaos would break out. And then somebody would come down and turn it into a tag match. Me and uh, Axel versus Dean and Seth. So then we do that tag match. A 20-25 minute opening tag match for the John Cena refund match. Which no refunds were issued during the entire tour. During that because we went out there and killed it every single night. Following that, we'd have to go to the back. I have two torn groins at this time, two core muscle tears, working hurt the entire time. But just to give you a reference of what was going on, we'd get to the back, have to stay in gear the whole show, wait till the main event of Roman versus Randy, and then we'd have to do a run-in in in that match and get beat down, run back out, and the shield would chase us off. They'd go into the finish, and, and Roman would go over every night as they were building Roman up. Randy got hurt about a week into this tour, or said he was hurt, And couldn't wrestle. So then they took me and Axel, and they put me and Axel with Randy in the main event, working a six-man tag for the whole second half of the tour. Randy couldn't get in the whole match. So fed two comebacks in there 30 minutes every night, working hurt the entire time. And I left shortly thereafter to get fixed. But they, on that, um, so Randy would take a Superman punch on the outside, something of that nature, and we'd go into the finish and do business. So that was the entire tour. I made less that tour. I made $13,000 for that tour. Um, and I got back. I got that payout when I returned as Babyface Ryback in San Antonio. I had just got that payout back shortly before then. And I asked multiple times to in TR and said, this check isn't right. I go, this is the least amount I've ever made on a tour. We were sold out every night. Supposedly, this was our biggest tour we'd had done in years. And I said, I main evented the whole half. We, we were in the, the refund match. We had no refunds. I go, I'm out there working hurt 30 minutes every night. I said, this is nothing. Like it was the lowest they would ever, like, I'd ever seen for a tour and knowing other guys that what they got paid. And I was told, don't ask questions. If you want to come back is baby face back. Don't rock the boat. That was, and they do a joke. Don't rock the boat. Don't be stupid. Don't, don't ask questions. And they do. And it's, And I was wanted to come back. I wanted desperately not to be a heel anymore because it was, it was the death of me for the longest time. And it was, but that's the kind of things they do when there's nobody to put them in a court in line, essentially for their actions. They can just do whatever they want, whenever they
3: want. So yeah, that that brings up a, a a point that's asked a lot. So you're really talents not given any idea of what they're going to be making on any given show going ahead. They're not like there's percentages going for payouts and nope. depending on where you're on the card, it could be five to. Uh, you have no idea. No idea. And this is one of the things why I bring up the points.
2: And I don't have all the answers as far as what exactly needs to be done. There just needs to be something done. To keep them in line, because they abuse the system and they abuse the wrestlers in so many different ways, and the wrestlers don't have a voice, and there's no one. Again, those the main event guys are never going to say anything because they have their money, and they what they perceive to be enough money, and it's a it really they have created this vicious environment where it is it's just it, it, something needs
3: to be done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it 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 is kind of a, a wild thing to not kind of know going in you, you, you know you have a job but you don't know what you're going to be making uh, as far as merchandise is that something you kind of have a set amount where they're like this is the percentage you're making on your shirts or, or yeah, at least and I
2: don't have those hard numbers but it's all in the contracts and again so here's the other thing on that and the numbers are completely screwed up the numbers are horrible now outside of someone like Brock who's negotiated a better deal and owns his name and different things trademarks where he's, he was able to negotiate a better percentage 90 Plus percent of the talent, if not all, more than that, don't have any negotiating power, and they keep them where they have no negotiating power. That if you raise any questions on your percentages, you are you, they'll just pick somebody else. And uh, that's the thing: thirty dollar t shirt they're selling, you're making. I think it's like a dollar under a dollar a shirt. At least it was somewhere in that vicinity. It, it is the numbers are just completely screwed up. And but there's there's nothing. This is what I said: just having something in place where wrestlers or they should be able as independent contractors to negotiate it. And WWE will say, Oh no, anybody can negotiate anything. I can tell you <laughs> firsthand. If you try to do that, you're not going to be used. You're not going to make any money at all. So everybody signs the contract and they go along with what is given. Cause that's what everybody else has done.
3: Yeah, and, and I, I kind of want to get more into that and uh, and what can be done. Uh, but real quick, uh, kind of on that same vein, uh, you were there with the pay per view period, and when it started transitioning to the network uh, to the network period, yep. um, you during that time were you told anything about how that would affect pay? Did you notice a change in your payouts, like your WrestleMania payouts, and and, and kind of what happened during that, as far as that went?
2: Uh, they held held a meeting for that actually, um, and explained everybody kind of. What was going to happen? And uh, pay went down drastically for a while. And I remember then it started coming back up eventually. Um, again, no rhyme or reason. We were told though that payouts would—they were essentially going to just go by previous pay-per-view buys for those pay-per-views during the same period years prior. And but again, those numbers were not made available to the talent. You were just given a number, and you weren't allowed. Like there's nothing you could do with it. You're not—you're not given any reference for what what it was and. You have no idea that what the network is doing at the time or how much money they're making. And that's something they would regularly do. And it's something else I brought up. Our generation of guys that we came up, we got fucked over as bad as anybody with all this. And they've done it on the video game as well. Talent used to make sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars 80000 a year for the video games on the low end. Like just for being in the video game. It used to be something that everybody was excited for. As soon as I got there, first year, that was when the other company, whoever the video game... Um, company was that they were doing business with i can't remember which one it was uh they went out they went bankrupt and they they held THQ. i believe it might have been thq the blame was put so they do the business deal they do all that they literally Mm -hmm. held a meeting in which i'll never forget this and all the talent and had john cena speak in there of all people that we need to suck it up and be team players in the company and be sympathetic to the situation that you know, this bad business deal that took place that I guarantee you all of them made money on, including Cena. In which Cena, who's a multi, multi, multi millionaire, telling a bunch of struggling guys who aren't doing that well in there that are so many new guys at that point that you guys got to suck it up. Video game pay went down to like 11 or 12,000 for the whole year. On that from from that amount, and it stayed at that amount because nobody asked any questions, and they realized they could f- talent over from that point forward on the video game. So, that's just what they do, and then they do it on all... You'll say, oh, you should be so lucky to be in a video game. Absolutely right. Everybody's thankful to be in the video game, but when you take it from a business point of view, this company, and they're making this amount of money on the game, all these other people are making a ton of money. The guys that are responsible for the game are, aren't making nearly anything. So... Yeah. And they would do this routinely. And in the pay per view thing, man, it was there's that the network thing, they have found such a loophole with that and not having to to give information to that and you don't know you don't you have no idea what you should be making or what you shouldn't be making. And then they they'll justify it, well, we're not making as much, so we pay you less. But you don't know that. They're about to make a billion dollars, but they're making money on back end things through the talent, but the talent aren't getting a cut of that. And that's it, it's a really it's a hor Great from a business standpoint, but it's horrible that you're treating your, your core
3: like that, of all things. So how much, like percentage-wise, how much would your, would your WrestleMania pay have gone? How much would that have changed from the pay-per-view days to the network days?
2: I don't know what year the network. Uh, the, my first WrestleMania with Mark Henry I got, it was somewhere in the seventy or $74,000 range for that one match. Which was by far my best payday for a wrestling match ever for one single match up there. They, I don't know the difference. I just remember because I was in the main event, and then in my I saw, I was still in the main event all the way through. And like I got my paydays right off the bat were what I considered to be great because that was my I was so new to in, as far as in that in that role in in being up there full time. That I was I was. oh, this is great making this amount of money. I had nothing to compare it to, and nobody does. Um, I do recall, though, the following year that in the tag match with Rye Baxel, uh, with Cesaro and Swagger and the Los Matadors and the Usos in New Orleans, I believe I made $3,500 for that tag match. It was my lowest payday of any pay-per-view of the year, and I was not told why.
3: And that would have been, I believe that was the first year of the network. Um, Could have been. It, Yeah. Um,
2: So pretty drastic difference for performing at the biggest show of the year. They're making all their money. Granted, it's a different match, but it's a drastic difference.
3: Yeah. Um, (laughs) That is wild. Uh, Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of talk with the the WWE wrestler contracts. Uh, You know, right now what you're seeing, you're seeing Luke Harper uh, asking for his release. It wasn't granted his contracts up in November, and instead they tacked on. Uh, several months to his contract for when he was out of action. Was that something that they were doing back when you were there? I felt like I never really heard about it until more recently.
2: Yeah, they would do that. I'd had it. They had done it with me when I was out for um, trying to think what it was. With the, it was the growing the growing deal. I believe they added that time onto the contract. It was like I think it was like ten or eleven weeks. They just added it in. Um, you most times won't hear about it. There's times. If they, and again, if a talent renegotiates a contract between when they're injured and, and, like, again, it just goes away. They don't, then nobody hears about it. Um, but that, that was no shock that they did that as far as because they do routinely do that. I just think it's really, to me, it's very, really disappointing when I see them act like this to a a performer, whether they're going to leave them sitting at home or what, like, um, which chances are they're, they're probably, because once you speak out like that or do something like that, it's, uh, I don't know, you really, it's, um, the best piece of advice, and I know Luke well, is is if I were him, I would probably start speaking about the company. He would get, he would get released really quickly
3: if he did that. It, it just seems amazing to me that you could get hurt on someone in their ring, and then they have the option to add on to your contract. I can understand if they pay for your surgery and you opt to take their money, then I can see... Which they know, do, though. Maybe. Everyone in the ring, they, they cover all that, so... That, sure, but if you if you get an injury like a concussion where yeah. you're not having medical uh, work done, they could still add on to your contract, yeah. though, right? If you're
2: technically not made available for the road, if you're not on on the active roster, they could tack any of that time back on, and they they added that into the contracts, <laughs> from what I remember. Okay. And I would have to look at the last one. I'm a positive that's in there on all of that when I'm going through it. And uh, again, though, you sign you have no there's no negotiating power on this stuff. You can't. You bring up any of this
3: stuff to them, it is a red flag right away. Right, and so kind of keeping with, with with Harper, they pretty much pulled him off a of TV completely. Yeah. Uh, he, he's not being used, or he's probably not going to be used uh, uh, by the time his contract does ex- expire. That punishment—how much is that going to cost Harper in his pocketbook for not doing anything, uh, you know, embarrassing with the company, not doing anything wrong? just that he doesn't want to renew what does just saying that cost a, a talent? I mean, obviously you're not going to know his no, exact number. Yeah. But-
2: so what, what happens is, and I would imagine he is from doing this, if they're leaving it, leaving him at home, he is just going to collect whatever his downside, downside. is. Um, and he's not going to get any pay-per-view pay or the, from that and extra. Usually if the, if, if, Live events. There will be times. Usually, though, whatever your downside is for live events, that's what you make every week, regardless of the house, which makes no sense because you're supposed to get paid off the house, anyways. It's just it, it's a weird thing. But what they're going to do, and for people to understand, I, they did they've done this routinely with guys, and they were going to do it with me before I just left. Is and they did it to Damian Sandow, is because they they were planning on firing him. Is they will take you off of TV. And this they've actually. To, to preface this uh, first for people, I tried very hard to work out some issues with WWE, and I was so hurt, I didn't want to tell them I was hurt. I just knew I was hurt, and I was telling the doctors, but they don't, they just, they keep you, they keep you week to week there. Trying to to reach out to to try, to. I wanted my contract to expire, I wanted to be able to, I want to do other things, I want to do other things, and I was told point blank by Mark Carano you don't want to do that. We're going to pull you off of TV. We're going to job you out. We're going to pull you off TV, and then we're going to fire you. That is the the system, and the reason they do that is they, they job you out to lower your value in the fans' eyes first. Then they pull you off of TV so people start forgetting you, and then after that, then when they fire you, you look like you weren't good enough in the certain fans' eyes, and it's a whole system. They've done this time and time again for guys it will probably, with Luke Harper, but they... Like before his contract expires, I wouldn't be shocked they would release him a week or two prior just so they could say they fired him.
3: And it's what they do. Yeah. Um, Now the John Oliver piece uh, kind of pivoting to that, it brought up a lot of different issues. Um, uh, And it packed a lot in, in that 20 minute segment. I'm sure. I mean, it's got over 7 million views as of this writing on just on YouTube alone. Um, They talk about, uh, health benefits and, uh, you know, the contract status and, and, you know, wrestlers dying early, which mm-hmm. that side has seemed to improved, uh you know, tremendously. Yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, as far as uh, the schedules and things like that, what was, if you could pick one thing from the Oliver piece that needs to be worked on right now, that needs to be worked on first, uh, and not just from the Oliver piece, but in general, but that was brought up, what would you say that was?
2: Uh, the, the biggest thing is, is there needs, and I don't know whether it's a union or what it is, there needs to be some sort of structure put in place to protect the wrestlers, some sort of system. There needs to be something. And the health insurance thing is a, is a really, 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 really important thing. And it's important, and I've experienced this firsthand with my situation, and, and I can understand it. So, WWE covers you in the ring for your injuries. The moment your contract is up, they do not cover anything for you anymore. Nothing. So you have guys, and you have. I've seen, I've done the independent shows and seen all these legends that are all screwed up and jacked up, and people are like, well, they should have been better with their money. One, they never made nearly as much money as what everyone thinks. And two, there's this tricky thing called pre-existing condition, conditions with a lot of health insurances. And even if you have great health insurance, they can choose not to cover something for you with no rhyme or reason. So, and I've dealt with this just leaving there within the first three years and having to spend Thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to to try to fix injuries that happened solely there. And I've only worked there. So these guys, you'll see guys after they leave WWE and that schedule, it breaks your body down. Everyone that works there comes out way worse than when they got in. Happens to everybody because of that schedule. Because they they run you into the ground top to bottom. So, for example, my, my ankle injury where I... Broke my ankle. They sent me to a doctor that botched the surgery. It took three surgeries. My, I have all this nerve damage still. My big toe doesn't work. I have damage in my leg I still deal with to this day. I just deal with it. Now, say tomorrow I'm walking and uh, my ankle, because it, it, it's weaker than my other one, just rolls over and it breaks. And I got to then go and I got to go to the hospital and go through insurance. And well, why do you have the, the, all these huge scars on your leg? What, what happened to your ankle? Oh, I heard it wrestling. Oh, you had that before you had this insurance? That's a pre-existing condition. We can't cover that. And then I get stuck with a $200,000 or 100000 or 150000 50000 whatever it is. That bill, I get stuck with it because my health insurance won't cover it. In WWE, that, there's no system in place for wrestlers for once they leave there, which is the biggest crime of them, of them all, in my opinion. And that is something and I feel I'm very fortunate and blessed that I've been good financially with my money. But, but that could all change a week from now. On. But you, there's certain things health-wise that the wrestlers have sacrificed for Vince McMahon's billions that once they leave, oh, we're clear of you. We covered you while you were in the ring. I got news for you. When you injure yourself in the ring, those, those injuries show back up years later. And, whatnot. and it's like everything with me. I've had 11 stem cell procedures on my back and shoulder. I've been lucky enough. I almost got stuck with a $170,000 bill for two of them because my insurance didn't want to cover it. Luckily there was a phone call where they said they were going to cover it and they had to cover it. But it, it's one of those things. I would have been stuck with a $170,000 bill for two of those procedures. It's crazy. And it's, that's, I've, that's all solely from when I was there. I've never bitched about as far as I, like, okay, I'm getting myself better. I left But that's something that once you're gone, they wash your hands of you. And it's something that people need to be aware of that that does exist. That these people and the talent there need to be aware because the the culture that they breed is that you take pride in working hurt. You take pride in not, not going and getting MRIs. I can't tell you how many people, guys I've talked to, girls, we're all working up. We should all go get MRIs once or twice a year. I would say every six months on something that's hurting because my back issue when I was there for two years I was going to the doctors, what's wrong with my back? Like something's wrong. This is what's going on. Oh, just take this pain stuff. Take this pain stuff. Well, guess what? That cortisone ate away all my cartilage in my shoulder, which I needed a shoulder replacement and avoided by doing stem cells and I'm still not out of the clear out of the clear with that and the clear with that. And my back from taking their their all and their pain things working hurt every night. My disc, I wore my disc in L1 2 3 4 and 5 down granted doing certain moves in the ring. And whatnot, but that schedule and time and time again and not treating, not going and getting an MRI. Had I went and got an MRI that first year, could have all this could have been avoided, most likely. And but it's stuff like that that there's just no protection for the wrestlers. And it's the environment they breed, and it's once you're there inside those walls, you all you know what it is. And you just you you're making money, you're just trying to make as much money as you can for your family. And whatnot before things break down, but like guys, there need to be aware too because sometimes you, you're when you're inside those walls, you're in a bubble and you don't realize that those injuries you have now that you're working through they're going to fall on you five, ten years down the road, twenty years down the road if with no system in place the way that it currently stands.
3: Now, why don't you think WWE provides health insurance? You know, you work for a lot of companies and, yeah. and they don't give it right off the bat. You you got to be there like six Absolutely. months or a yeah. year. Um, it, it seems like even if it, it if it, they have to lower wrestler contracts uh, to provide it. Uh, it, it can't be a financial thing, right? Because they're going to be making no. more revenue now. Than they're about never. to make a billion dollars,
2: I believe, this next year in revenue. So again, so here's another thing. Wrestlers' pay should go up, actually, with this. Shouldn't it go down? Oh, for they're, sure. Their bottom, the reason why people are going, well, it's going to affect their bottom line. The reason why their bottom line is the way that it is is because of all the practices that they have. So people, stockholders, shareholders, everybody needs to just get used to a new bottom line. Because the bottom line you've seen is from up practices that needs to be addressed. And that all, that falls on Vince as a human being. That just goes to show you what kind of human being he is. And it goes to, the talent fuel everything there. It's like the whole be a star thing. Talent do that for free all the time for them, for them to promote them as being this good guy company. And it's all to protect their bully tactics on everything else. It's not it's like, it's. Once you're there, we all know this. It's all and it's it's common. We just oh, we know what it is, but that's what's going on, and it's hard for a lot of people to accept that because they put WWE on a pedestal. But that comes down to Vince as a human being, and they treat it in his carny ways of where they never. and It comes back, and I don't know if his father put that in his head, where you never let the wrestlers know how valuable the wrestlers really are, even though they publicly on their website and different things, the wrestlers are the core of the brand. Without them, we wouldn't exist. But yet, how come they treat people working in Stanford headquarters, their employees, and have benefits and health insurance and all these things, yet the guys sacrificing everything on the road, making nowhere near what they, they should for, to fuel this man's billions, aren't getting getting. It's just, it, it, it makes no rhyme or reason. And I don't know why they've gotten away with it for so long and why he would want to have that reputation is beyond me.
3: Now you've worked with, obviously, with Vince, you've worked with Triple H. Um, do you see things changing if Vince decided to step down with the XFL take, you know, becoming too much of a time commitment or, or anything like that? If he decides to step down, um, do you see that changing? Do you think he is the main reason why the, the, those systems are staying in place? Hunter is obsessed with the internet and what the internet fans think of him. So for
2: the, only, the sole reason is he would do it to look like a god Compared to Vince, that is, and I don't honestly, I don't care why he does it, but that would be the reason why he does it. Because otherwise, he would have he would have had it done now. He would have spoken up on it now and tried to get it done, and, or he would have instituted that in, in NXT to, to get that policy going down there first. He would have already done it. So there is a chance that once Vince steps down, Hunter does that to try and to try to give him that godlike presence that he desperately craves. So yeah, I think there's a very real possibility of that. But also, I think. They're, they better get on the ball because AEW has a huge opportunity to do everything right. Talent will will run for the hills to, to, to get away from WWE if they do it right
3: over there. Yeah. And you've, you've lived it. I know you get people complaining online, you know, saying you're bitter, things like that, but you've, you've been there. You've done yeah. that. You've, you've, I'm also successful and firsthand. happy
2: outside of it. So
3: you've made it, a pay-per-view. Yeah. You've got a successful business now. Um, what, if if AEW uh, came to you and said, "What can we do to make life better for wrestlers, and um, make it the most appealing? It can be for talent that's realistic. We're going to do live TV, so there is going to be still a, a weekly travel schedule. Yeah. Um, what what can we do within you know those boundaries?
2: I think they already have the people in place with Cody being there. I've I've roomed with Cody and known Cody for for many many years. Cody is is going to be the the to be able to help inform them on making the the right decisions. And I think we've already seen with Tony Khan talking about, he doesn't, he doesn't believe wrestlers need to be on the road four or five days a week. That right there in itself, if you're a wrestler and you can make equal or close to equal money or still really good money and not have to wrestle five days a week, I'm telling you, no wrestler. Once you're there, that is the hardest part of doing that. Your body, it's not meant to do that. Fighters fight once, twice a year, three times a year tops wrestling is every bit as if not worse on um, the damage it does to your body especially now with the style changing that yeah i think that's the biggest thing is the schedule and i think it's just it's vince and them if AEW comes out with the approach of we're going to make superstars everything we can do to make a superstar from top to bottom we're going to maximize every talent on this roster. We're going to we are going to we are going to get everything out of them that we can and we're going to make them the biggest star possible so that when they want to leave this company or when their contract expires, they're way better off than when they started rather than WWE's approaches, how we can we control everybody, how can we fuck everybody over, how can we prevent guys from becoming too big, blah blah, blah. cuz that is the mindset there and you see it time and time again with their booking on what they've done because that to me will be the, the two best things to schedule and if aew has that approach which I have no doubt they, they, they will have that approach so.
3: and, and I think it could be argued that not appearing on TV uh, every week is a benefit you know by the stars back in the day they, they appeared once a month or every you know every every six weeks or whatever um, now right now WWE ratings are the lowest they've ever been um, the live attendance numbers have dropped. They're they're doing making a loss for the first time forever. Yeah. Double digit drops in all levels of consumer spending as far as merch. Um, you know, network subscription dropped the day after WrestleMania from last year. You're seeing the business, uh, the the consumer spending end dropping, but they're going to be making more money than ever on the back end because they're on making the back, it on other deal,
2: deal deals and doing the Saudi shows and doing these other things that, that are covering them
3: on that. Yeah. Right. So it seems like WWE, in a lot of ways, is in a bad spot as far as popularity. Uh, These seem like changes that would probably help them, especially with the negative publicity they got with the Saudi show. It seems like uh, this is stuff that would help them tremendously as far as uh, goodwill from the fans.
2: I I agree wholeheartedly. And it's they've they've damaged themselves in the eyes. So the biggest mistake they ever made is, is trying to appeal to the hardcore audience solely. They used to try to appeal to the casual audience where that was their bread and butter. That was the bigger market. They have now secluded themselves from them. They have driven the casual audience away and they have now, they're like, well, we're just going to target this hardcore audience that was here regardless. But they've, they've lost them on both ends because the hardcore audience, and wines anyways and they're upset over pretty much everything no matter what and then you i believe i believe it's a multitude of things but i also believe it's, it's a big part of it's creative and it's also part of it is they are using talent that aren't necessarily and i'd want to make this against the wrestlers i'm because i'm for the wrestlers yeah. but they are not making guys as large of superstars as they were in the past and i believe they purposely pick guys that can't be at that level to try to portray that level and then they know they kind of keep them on a cap. And then other talents that, like Braun Strowman, for example. Superstar. If Braun Strowman, he was red hot a year ago. Eight months ago. Look at that compared to how they used him at that point. Rather than putting the championship on him and giving him the momentum. It would have put him at the next level. They purposely go out of their way. Rusev's another guy. They've done it, they've done it time and time again with guys. And they try to control the ones, that, the ones that start really, really getting over. And then ones that are, they'll pick the ones that they want. And because they think, well, they'll get over, but they're not going to get that over. And they'll fill that role for us. And it's a weird, it makes no sense. No sense at all. But they're making all this money on the back end. And so as a business, they're succeeding as a business. But from a wrestling company, they're failing. And it's showing in their ratings and their live events. People aren't buying into what they're selling them. And that goes back to, you got the the creative and the storylines, the superstars that are that are being used. Every it, It's not just one thing it it's a, it's a culmination of things, and the majority of that falls on w w e
3: yeah um you had made some comments recently about w w e uh, taking over wrestlers social media accounts uh a lot of people did not know that it it, it generated a lot of uh, yeah. a lot of interest online uh, It seems like they've changed position on that. do you think that's because you spoke out or just uh
2: no, I no idea on that. Oh, I could tell and I have the social media form, another one that when I was there that I kept from the meeting that but and the social media form was essentially saying they could find you, they could terminate you if you post anything that they find out of line, which could be anything if they could make it could, it could literally be anything but so the social media passwords is that they have a social media team there that before we even had to sign over that policy, the social media team was telling us you had to give over your passwords from w w e and they would come up to you and they go, it's not shared with anybody. And they, everybody was buddy-buddy with the social media people because they were cool guys. They still work for WWE and they report to TR. So you give them your name and password. I, they had mine for a while. And they would go and they would make posts to promote different events. And they would do things or they would send you different things. And when I remember I changed my password, I was like, I, I didn't feel comfortable because things were already starting. I was getting upset already. I was like, this isn't. I don't feel comfortable with you guys having my information on that. And I remember I changed it, and they immediately came up to me. Why? You, what's your new password? And I didn't give it to them. <clears throat> so, but they didn't. Now, on the documents they made everybody sign, I don't know. I don't believe they had in there that you have to hand over your password on there. But that was the thing they would protect themselves and have the social media team do. And again, if you don't give them your password, what do you think happens? They report you to TR. TR that goes to Hunter to Vince. Oh, he doesn't play ball. He doesn't cooperate. But then when you sign over your stuff too and they have it, now you're in a position. That's why I, I refused to sign it with all of that when they when they blocked all the talent, put a talent in the room and, and had all the talent sign the, the social media forms that none of the talent wanted to sign. Everybody was looking around at each other that day and I just got up and left. So,
3: and, it, it, so you never signed it? Did uh, any of the other? Did everybody you know else did. Other, that
2: everybody that when I was there that. from three years ago, everybody did. They tried, they, they cornered me three different times the day I walked out to try to get me to sign the form. And I told them to off every time it was, it's not, this is, <clears throat> and all the talent, they can they go, you didn't sign. I go, no, you guys don't have to sign this. I go, we don't have to sign anything. They give us, they lie to us constantly. And the talent's like, yeah, but the man, I'm scared. Like, it's just, that's what. What are you going to do? Because then, then, then you're going to get punished. You're going to get jobbed out. You're going to get pulled off TV. And it, it depends on what level you're at. And it's, I'm telling you, it is, and it, it's just, it all comes down to there's no protection for the wrestlers. And this company can do whatever they want. And to touch on that, the, I posted the legal letter that they'd sent me when I left from three years ago stating that I needed to hand over all my social media, demanding I hand over all my social media. And the only reason I posted that was to simply show people they think they own your social media. Or they they wanted, they they put that fear mentality in you where they, don't change your name. God forbid you keep your followers that are yours. Give us us your accounts. Like that's, if you don't think they're going to send that and not ask you for your passwords to have social media people, you're out of your mind. And then there are people arguing over the intellectual property. It's like, I own everything already. And for entertainment, for nutrition, dietary supplements, it's like, that's not, it's not even an argument. I already own everything. So it's. It was simply showing that the, how they act towards talent and that they think they could just demand things. And we might, the response was off from the attorney and they, off. so it's like, and people get legal from all the time.
3: Yeah. Um
2: <laughs> Crazy, was, right? right?
3: Yeah. So did, did you notice a difference after you didn't sign it with how you were being used or? No, it was already at
2: that point where I, I don't know what, what, I can't give you an exact date of when that form was. Yeah, sure. It was, it was towards the end though, when yeah. I was leaving. And so that was already, I'd already dropped the IC title, I think. And then the Kalisto stuff, I could say that that my, everything there would have went completely differently had I signed everything over on the last contract there that I had and then and kept working. That whole last two months would have been entirely different. I I have no doubt about it because they, they usually, when you sign a new deal, they'll use you good for a little bit again. And then they'll, after you're there again, then they'll drop you back down.
3: Yeah, well, we're right back man. This has been great. I think it's a, this is very important to be uh, kept at the the forefront to be Absolutely. talked about. Uh, how are you feeling uh, since since you've been gone? It's been a few years. Uh, physically, how are you feeling? Uh, good.
2: Like I said, I've had eleven stem cell procedures, and um, I made the unfortunate mistake when I left. I got my ear and nose fixed because I worked my entire WWE career not being able to breathe through my nose, and I never wanted to take time off to get it fixed and. I couldn't hear out of my left ear because I got my eardrum busted my first year in wrestling. So when I left WWE and was still under contract till August, I had they tried to actually pull my pay. They were gonna they weren't gonna pay me, so I had to go on injury pay where I collected a paycheck till the day my contract ran out. And I had them fix my ear and nose that because so that I could I wanted my health back, essentially that I never had up there. And my back and shoulder were absolutely in horrendous shape. But in my head, it was, oh, just give it more time off. Give it more time off. You'll be okay. You'll be. And then I started doing appearances and signings and then wrestling. And my back and shoulder were worse than ever. And I went and got an MRI. And I was told I needed a five-disc fusion in my L1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. They were just barely, the, the discs were completely worn out. Still intact, just barely. And, like, I caught it just in time. And my shoulder, uh, two different doctors told me about the shoulder. I needed a shoulder replacement. I have no cartilage left in there. And there were, there were some muscle tears and whatnot. Um, And at the time, I believe I just turned 35 when that all happened. And I just thought, well, if I go this route, I'm forever done wrestling. You're not, you can't come back from a five disc fusion. You can't come back from a shoulder replacement with the way the current technology is on that. And I, my chiropractor just said, why there's a stem cell guy here that's working on some of the UFC guys. You should probably go, go pay him a visit. And I I went and set up an appointment and the guy, he's uh, saved my career. It's not only saved my career, most likely my quality of life. I was people and they don't, I always looked like I was all right. I was in so much pain waking up, falling out of bed to my knees and like my shoulder, it was just grinding all the time. It was, it was, I had muscle atrophy in my tricep and lat. It was affecting so many things and through stem cell procedures, they've regrown my disc in my back. I'm pretty much essentially pain free now and i'm just, um, I'm just getting two more done in the summer number 12 and 13 and uh, they they keep getting they have another new procedure they're going to do on my shoulder in july as well and my shoulder is is drastically better than what it was i'm back up over 290 again for the first time since i left wwe and like i'm i, I feel really good but it's it's one of those things and i get i when i see people in in like social media it's when you're coming back when you're coming back when you're coming back I never would have left, essentially, if I wasn't as hurt as I was. That's what essentially drove me to, to make the decisions I made. But I would have signed with somebody right away. Or I would have mm-hmm. taken a little bit of time off had I been healthy. And there were offers at a couple different places. It was – and it w- it would have happened. It just mm-hmm. it wasn't this all kind of the way it all unfolded. But it, it's been a blessing that I've found out because rather than being in a wheelchair or being crippled the rest of my life – I'm now as healthy as ever. I have to just give it enough time. I don't want to jump the gun too soon i'm still young i'm thirty seven I have time. I feel better now than I did at thirty four so I just yeah. need in my head it's I got my business, I got my investments, even if you're gone for three four years it's not the end of the world, and people will remember me when I decide to come back so Absolutely. and the, the podcast has been a blessing on keeping my voice out there and doing different things and in doing helping people, man, is a great thing. The supplement, I get no, nothing prides me more than seeing people message me saying they lost 120 pounds or 100 pounds or 80 pounds and they're taking my supplements and listening to my advice. I'm like, yeah, man, that's like, to me, that's more rewarding than wrestling. So, but I'm very thankful for my fan base and for the people around the world. So, and I do, it would only help everything I'm doing. I never want to wrestle full-time again, I, I, but I do want to go back and, and be a key part in wrestling once again, and, and do what I wish I could have done the first time.
3: So, say so you will be back. It's not. It's not if. It's when. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, and one last question regarding the stem cells you mentioned. Um, they are only approved for a certain number of procedures. What are your thoughts on that?
2: It's one of those things. They work. So because they work, the the medical the, we, we the medical world is a very tricky thing and, and oftentimes it, it's a business and uh, they sometimes oftentimes will create a problem to sell you the cure and it's um, stem cells work and they've, and they've, they've single handedly I say this just from my experience of giving me a second chance so I, I just I don't know why they are not I, I feel like they're more accepted now than they were even three years ago five years ago before the people had to fly to other countries to get it done NFL guys and baseball players were going to different countries to get to get the stem cells where now they are being done in the states also it's a problem it's a very tricky situation with insurances also insurances don't like covering those either because they're so new or they'd rather you have a surgery which is not it's my thing is if you could avoid surgery if I would have opted to have the surgery on my back I wouldn't yeah it would it would have been an entirely different situation for me so it's um I hope over time I just wish as human beings, man, people would just like people, we have business, people make money, but just do good with it. Like if we just concentrated on making the world a better place and making everyone can still make money and do things, but we have these people that think they have to be evil or do things and be mean to people. And it's, it's just the way that the culture has been bred from day one. And, uh, it's unfortunate, but I'm again, I'm very blessed and thankful that I've, I've had this opportunity to experience this and go through this and I'm very sympathetic to people that have chronic injuries and illnesses. And like I've seen like a lot of the old legends, man, the wrestling, these guys, man, a lot of them have nothing and they're just completely, it's, I got a glimpse into old life. I feel like the last few years and uh, my heart goes out to them. And that's why I'm also as passionate as I am, not only from the things that have happened to me. And again, my lawsuit, what I talked about with you with them, forcing me to drop a multimillion dollar lawsuit my first year up there. And then with me every day after the statute of limitations ran up seeing these guys in the situations they're in nobody's looking out for them and these guys paved the way for guys like me to to go there and and have an opportunity and everybody that's there today and i think it's really important for current wrestlers and this is something i've seen like independent wrestlers be respectful of all the guys that that have come before us and and paved the way because without them and a lot of them i've seen a different culture different way of thinking with a lot of the guys, I feel like they think that like, they think they're they're more talented than, than the older performers or things. Those guys were superior psychology wise to all of today's wrestlers. Yeah. another thing and it's like it's just be thankful for these guys. They, they they and it's they lived in a different period and there were different things going on and, and but then the wrestling has evolved and whatnot, but it's wrestlers have to stick together. And it and they don't all the time and it sucks. And I see, I've see. i seen other ones say something. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, this is... We all know this is what's going on. And we all have to come together. Because if we all... If every wrestler just stood up and said, I agree with everything going on. Change needs to happen. If every wrestler just tweeted that out today, something would happen. Yeah. But it doesn't, so... Yeah, well...
3: Um... <laughs> we, we we went over an hour I feel like we could go another couple of hours we we okay. got to do this again absolutely um, no any
2: questions you have man I'm more than happy to answer that's what I this is what this is for I want I want people to be as informed on this as possible and again and guys I'm so confident I can say anything against WWE I know how over I was I know how over I can be I can go back at any point I don't And it's like I already know that and I'm not afraid and I wish everybody had that confidence but it's and I don't want to The just, we have to raise awareness on this. And I think the key thing from this in in all seriousness is the sponsors in the Fox TV network and, and USA network are WWE's lifeline. That is where, and they, if they don't listen to the fans, if you guys are upset over something and they're not, WWE is not listening to you, start complaining to the sponsors and start complaining to the TV networks, because I promise you Vince McMahon will listen to them because that's where he's getting the majority of his money.
3: Yeah. and I know first for fans you know so many of our uh, the, the legends that we grew up with superstar Billy Graham Paul Orndorff, Kamala yes. are, are using goFundMe now um, you know this is an important issue for the talents that we grow up enjoying and are fans of and 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 helping their lives so yeah and guys uh, like that too topic. man great point why aren't guys like that and again
2: using them on the pre-shows and guys but instead of you know they use these guys and there's nothing against like guys like Sam Roberts and these guys. But they don't pay these guys anything, probably, because they, they know they're fans, and they bring in these other people. Use your past legends. Give, use them on the show. Give the show more credibility. You see UFC and things. Use fighters and things. Use... Not saying every guy's going to be good at it, but use some of these legends in different roles and, and whatnot instead of bringing in fans to come in. And, and again, nothing against Sam Roberts. I like, I'm like. just using him as an example in different guys. Like, you could, you, you could you could have these guys still involved in wrestling that paved the way it's, there's just better ways use legend contracts, better. The legend contracts are shit. Give them better legends contracts. You're making money on their figures and things and help them. Cause it's like, there's no protection for the guys and it's unfortunate. It's like Vince. And I, I I've used this comparison before that. I, I've talked about it before. And from Bob Backlund's book, Bob is the nicest guy in the world. And in his book he talks about, and you could see the tone change from when Vince Sr. was running things to when Vince Jr. started running things and started running multiple shows a day and treating the talent like cattle. And it's in Bob's book where you can kind of just see from Bob's point of view, and Bob is a great stand-up guy, and you could just see Vince has this mentality of using human beings he has no respect for. And I don't care, it goes if you've heard stories That port, the poor creative team guys there. He'll leave them sitting around in the office for hours and hours and hours up at Stanford at TV while he's out working out or doing whatever. Shows up after they've been there all day waiting for five, six, seven hours to go over to rewrite TV again for the seventh time. Like that, doing that kind of stuff is just it, it's a it's a huge flaw as a human being. And they, but he's just happened to make a lot of money using other human beings, and it's. Uh, I hope before he passes, he chooses to, to do the right thing and and treat the talent better as a whole and just make some, some key changes. And things would be so much better uh, all around if he does. But again, we'll have to wait and see. And hopefully AEW, I think, is going to be key in maybe promoting some change as well. Uh-
0: Thank you, Justin, for joining me at the top of the show to talk the news of the day. Thank you very much uh, for El Presidente, Raj Giri, going out and getting that interview with Ryback. Excellent discussion. Uh, I want to encourage all of you out there, if you like the show, support us. Head over to to our iTunes page, the Wrestling Inc. Audio iTunes page. Five-star ratings, nice comments, always appreciated. You can also go over to our Pro Wrestling T-Store, grab yourself a T-shirt, tag me, tag the site on Twitter, show us uh, you wear in the shirt. We'll retweet it, show you some social media love. I'll be back tomorrow on the Ringside Wrestling app, 2 p.m., Raj is out of town on vacation, so I'll be joined by Michael Weissman. Uh, we're going to be talking the top five stories of the week. Uh, you can jump into the Hangout section, chat along with us, uh, enjoy the show. And uh, I we've go back and forth here. I, fi- I think we finally know who's going to be doing the Super Showdown, uh, Justin. I was still working through this this morning. It, will, it was not going to be me. Then it was going to be me. But then I realized that I had uh, gotten the time zone wrong for an interview I had lined up. So now it can't be me again. So now... It looks like it's going to be Glenn Rubenstein and Michael Weissman doing uh, a post-show that will be good, as good, if not better, than Super Showdown itself. Uh, uh,
1: key, as good, if not better.
0: <laughs> that line tickles me so much. Uh, when,
1: when, when I won't say it. Your hypothetical, well, not, it's not hypothetical, but your planned interview Friday, when will it air?
0: Uh oh, it'll be on Tuesday. It'll be, if yeah, if everything goes off. So you
1: you you yeah, you can't keep that one in the vault for too long. You need to get that one out there.
0: No, 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 there'll be there'll be quotes on the site on Friday, I'm sure, and then we'll have we'll have the audio here on Tuesday. And it'll probably be the only interview I play on Tuesday because I wouldn't want to burden it with another talent alongside the name. So uh yeah, very exciting, guys. Very very exciting. I'm I've got I have done I will have done about eight interviews this week. And uh, the one I'm doing tomorrow will probably be the biggest. But the people that I have right now in my archives that I am ready to release onto you all next week, you are going to have a fantastic week of Pro Wrestling Audio, courtesy of the Winkley next week. I I can guarantee that. Um, uh, Justin, what do you want to plug pro put over here to wrap up the show?
1: At Justin Labar, L-A-B-A-R, on social media. Hit me up and we will uh, talk wrestling or anything else.
0: Wonderful. I'm at Week Rebel over on Twitter. Thank you very much for tuning in. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it.